Today's episode is brought to you by Frightworks Haunted House, Knoxville, Tennessee's in-town, indoor factory of fear. For more information, go to frightworks.com and be sure to follow on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Tennessee Rose, recorded in the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Tennessee Rose Podcast. My name's Dusty, and I'll be your guide as we hitchhike to all the towns and communities that make up the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Tennessee Roads Podcast. My name is Dusty, and as I literally just said in the intro, I'll be your guide as we hitchhike through all the towns and communities that make up the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. For today's episode, I've got a really exciting one packed for you. We're going to be talking about my hometown of Maryville, Tennessee. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone that is listening, and I'm talking Uh, Also to my listener in um, the United Kingdom, and there's another country out there. I'm really sorry. I just spaced, but um, I get statistics uh, from all my listeners, and I know I have a few listeners abroad that listen to literally every single episode. Thank you guys so much. Um, You guys are kind of the whole reason I did this. I grew up, and I wanted to be a history teacher, and that quite didn't work out for me, and I realized it's the 21st century, and I can, you know do what I want and share history with people anyways, who cares about a degree? I mean, as long as, as long as I'm giving you guys the right information, which I hope I am doing. Um, but I just want to remind everyone, please, please, please help me out. Um, I am kind of getting to a point where a lot of money has been invested into this podcast um, for uh, background music and hosting rights uh, and just everything. And it's getting to a point where I have spent a lot of money on this podcast. And I know that it's been quite chaotic over the years. But I'm uh, fortunate enough that I'm getting to a position where we are going to start uh, publishing on the regular. Um, as a matter of fact, I am uh, recording this episode and it's still in June uh, to come out about halfway through July. So um, there's no telling what will happen between here and there. But please, 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 Um, If you guys will do me the largest favor on the planet, make sure you guys are subscribing, whether it be on Apple Podcasts um, or Spotify. I personally um, keep track of everything through my hosting site, but evidently Spotify is very, very big uh, on if people subscribe. Even if you don't listen on that platform, if you're a part of Spotify, please just go and subscribe to Tennessee Roads Podcast uh, if you guys can. I would be very appreciative. Also, please take a few moments, whatever website uh, or hosting site you guys are listening to, uh, please just drop in the bottom, leave a comment, leave a review, rate the show. Um, Please, please do that for me. That will help me out tremendously as I continue to try to push the show out there and get it more known. Um, If you know of anyone, any um, place or school or anyone that looks uh, that is looking for someone to come talk about uh, history, uh, if it's not something I've covered on the podcast, I'll be more than happy to research it and come speak on it. Um, 
you know, I'm an expertise of Dollywood, apparently. <laughs> but um, please feel free to reach out. You can reach out to me uh, on Facebook directly under Tennessee Roads Podcast. Uh, I'm also on Instagram on TN Roads Podcast. Uh, or you guys can uh, send an email to tnroadspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, as some of you may know, I did originally have uh, another email, Dusty at TennesseeRoadsPodcast.com, uh, but I got tired of paying for that one, so we're going with the free Google for the time being. Uh, but with all that fun being said, um, I thank you guys so much for coming and listening to me. Uh, you know, I, I get about 150 downloads a month on a single episode, and to some of these bigwigs out there, that's nothing. And to a lot of times sponsors and people that I've looked at trying to do, that's just not enough. You know, they they want them in the thousands. But um, I'm extremely grateful for every single one of you guys that are listening to me um, and just giving me an outlet to talk on, whether you guys listen to the full episode or not. Um, thanks, thanks a whole lot. Um, but moving forward, this podcast, uh, it's going to continue to hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, and my grandmother is a very special human being to me, and she always has been. Um, you know, she turned 80 years old this year, or 80 years young, as some people would say. Um, so I just want everyone to know that uh, from this point forward, Tennessee Roads podcast is uh, dedicated to the honor of my grandmother, Patsy Payne. So... Graham, if you're out there, if you're listening, thank you so much for everything you've done. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in and talk about today's subject, Maryville, Tennessee. Nestled in the foothills of the scenic Smoky Mountains is a place known as the town that's close to everything. Maryville, Tennessee, located in Blount County, has a rich history that dates back to the early days of American settlement. From its humble beginnings as a small frontier settlement to its development into the thriving modern-day city, Maryville has played a significant role in the history of East Tennessee. The area where Maryville now stands was originally inhabited by the Cherokee people. They called it Elegy, possibly meaning place of green things. European settlers began to arrive in the late 18th century, drawn to the fertile lands and the abundant natural resources. In 1785, the Tennessee legislature established Blount County, and the following year, Maryville was founded by Revolutionary War veteran Isaac Fane. The town was named in honor of Mary Granger Blunt, the wife of William Blunt, the governor of the Southwest Territory. Maryville served as a county seat and quickly became the center for trade and commerce in the region. The Little River provided a good transportation route for goods, and the town's strategic location at the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains made it an important hub for settlers and traders. During the early 19th century, Maryville experienced steady growth. The establishment of the East Tennessee and Georgia Railroads in eight, the 1850s further boosted the town's economy and facilitated the transportations of goods and passengers. Maryville College was founded in 1819 and brought educational opportunities to the area, and it continues to be a very vital institution to the community today. The Civil War had a profound impact on Maryville and the surrounding region. Tennessee was divided during the conflict, with many residents supporting the Union, while others sided with the Confederacy. Now, Maryville was occupied by both Union and Confederate troops at various times throughout the war. This led to economic hardships and social divisions. During the war times, Union soldiers stationed themselves inside the Maryville courthouse. When they arrived, County Clerk Washington L. Deering moved important legal documents to a safer location. 
This collection of Blount County records included legal information affecting every citizen in the county, such as wills, marriage licenses, land sales, tax assessments, and court minutes dating back to the 1790s. On August 24th of 1864, Confederate soldiers under the command and order of General Joseph Wheeler attempted to set fire to the neighboring buildings of the courthouse in hopes that it would cause the Union soldiers to flee and they could reclaim the building for themselves. However, things didn't go the way that they intended when the fire began moving in the opposite direction of the courthouse. As the fire approached the building where the important documents were housed, an emancipated slave by the Toole family leaped into action. Polly ran into the store of her former owner and began to save as many documents as she could while dodging flames and bullets. Almost all of the documents were saved because of her efforts. As a result, Polly received an annual pension for the remainder of her life. And in 1994, a local artist created a sculpture of Polly carrying documents in her apron to honor her act of bravery and patriotism. The statue still stands in the Blount County Courthouse today. Following the Civil War, Maryville began to recover and rebuild. The town's economy diversified with the growth of industries such as textiles, lumbers, and agricultural. The arrival of the Louisville and Nashville Railroad in the late 19th century further stimulated the economic development and provided new opportunities for trade. Are you enjoying today's episode? Be sure you like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're really enjoying today's show, share it with someone you know. In the early 20th century, Maryville experienced a period of urbanization and modernization. The automobile became more prevalent, and improved roads and infrastructure connected the town to neighboring communities. The establishment of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in 1934 further bolstered the local economy by attracting tourists and outdoor enthusiasts to the area. Over the years, Maryville has continued to grow and evolve. The city has embraced its natural surroundings, with outdoor recreational opportunities being a significant draw to residents and visitors alike. Maryville's vibrant downtown area features a mix of historic old buildings and modern amenities, including shops, restaurants, and cultural institutions. In 1999, the city announced the Foothills Fall Festival. Now, this event would loosely be based on the hillbilly homecoming event that took place in the city in the 1960s. Now, this festival happened annually downtown, closing several roadways and turning parking lots into food courts and artist plazas. Over the years, the festival brought many big names from country music to perform, from the Oak Ridge Boys, Ricky Skaggs, to Gretchen Wilson, Trace Atkins, Little Big Town, Kelly Pickler, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Reba McIntyre. Unfortunately, on July 10th of 2014, city officials announced that due to rising cost, it would no longer be financially feasible to continue the festival, and that October would be the city's last hoedown. With headliners Tim McGraw, Pat Benatar, and Chris Young, the city banded together one more time as 10,000 concert goers packed the event lawn and thousands more filled Adventureland, the 16-acre greenway with inflatables, games, and a petting zoo. Over 85 vendors and countless food stalls lined the streets as the city said goodbye to the countless attendees that had traveled as far as Australia to enjoy the party for many years. 
Now, I myself attended and worked the festival several years. One time, I even had an opportunity to share a french fry with country music artist Kelly Pickler. Kelly, if you're listening, I kept that french fry tray for like five years. I also still have the t-shirt that she autographed stored away in a trunk somewhere. Today, Maryville is a thriving community with a diverse economy. The city is home to several manufacturing facilities, one of which being Denso Manufacturing. It was established in 1988, and the corporation chose Maryville as its location for its manufacturing facility in the United States due to its proximity to the major automotive manufacturers and the ability of skilled workforce in the region. In less than 10 years, the area, which had been known as rural farmland, had seen such an economic boom that housing developments have sprung up in the once-quiet fields around the facilities. Denso Manufacturing Tennessee is one of Denso's largest manufacturing facilities globally, specializing in production of automotive heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems, as well as other components such as radiators, engine cooling modules, and exhaust gas recirculation systems. The facility has undergone expansions and updates over the years to accommodate growing production demands and technology advancements. Since its establishment, Denso Manufacturing Tennessee has played a significant role in the automotive industry in Tennessee and in the United States, providing quality components to various automakers. The facility continues to contribute to the local economy by providing employment opportunities and supporting the region's automotive sector. Every city has a staple shopping center, and Foothills Mall was the staple of the city of Maryville since it opened in 1983. It has 46 shop fronts, with a new Publix being built on site. Foothills Mall is the only full-scale shopping mall in Maryville. The mall originally was anchored by Maryville-based Profits, a regional department store, Miller's, another regional department store that was a division of Allied Stores, J.C. Penney, and Sears. The mall underwent renovations in 2006, and it seemed like there would be just smooth sailing ahead. But by 2008, stores began closing across the mall. Goody's department store closed its doors around 2008, and the windows to the store were painted over, and the storefront sat vacant for many years. As the toy store craze slowed, stores like KB Toys vacated the mall as well. In an effort to hide the empty storefronts, the mall opted to remove smaller stores and replace them with the larger box store, TJ Maxx. Profits and Miller no longer existed. They were renovated to house Belk in the former Profits and Belkman and Kids in the former Miller and Hess location. In 2011, Belkman and Kids were combined with the main Belk location, and the old store was demolished to accommodate the new AMC Foothills 12. Goodies returned to its former location as a goodies outlet, but it was never able to live up to its former glory and closed again in January of 2017. Farmer's Furniture moved into that location, but keeps the interior mall doors locked, functioning as a separate business from the mall. Just ahead of the pandemic, Sears announced they would close in 2019, and that section of the mall would be demolished to make way for the new freestanding Publix. On the hills of its closure, JCPenney closed its doors in October of 2020. Chick-fil-A was a staple in Foothills Mall for many years. But the Chicken Giant, which got its famous start in malls, moved to a new standalone location a few miles from the mall in 2022. Craven Wings moved into the former Chick-fil-A location, and this marks the third for the East Tennessee chain. Stores like American Eagle, Bath & Body Works, and K Jewelers are among the few that have remained in the same storefront for decades. 
For years, rumors have circulated about the fate of Foothills Mall, as the old JCPenney location still sets empty. Some have said that Simon Malls, the owner of Knoxville's Westtown Mall, have stated their interest in purchasing the facility, but I've not been able to confirm that information. After JCPenney closed, AMC Theaters, Belk, and TJ Maxx are the only remaining anchor stores of the mall. We'll be right back. How much fright can you take in one night? Take it all at Frightworks! With more blood for your buck, more chainsaws for your change, more dismemberment for your dollar. Five fantastic Fright Zones, just one place, just one ticket. Frightworks, Knoxville's in-town, indoor factory of fear on West Emory Road. Buy your tickets now at Frightworks.com. Now, downtown Maryville is filled with a mixture of old and new architecture. Two buildings stand out in the historic downtown for two very different reasons. The first, Broadway Tower. This 16-floor building was built in 1986 by the Maryville Housing Authority and now hosts about 160 of Maryville's elderly population. The building can be seen from miles away in every direction if you're at a high enough elevation to see downtown. While the building is large, it displays a simple brick structure with plenty of windows. Over the last few decades, however, the building has started to fall into disrepair. In a November 2022 issue of the Daily Times, Maryville Housing Authority board member Tom Taylor presented to the Maryville City Council, addressing rumors that had been circulation about the future of Broadway Towers. It seems that proper maintenance had not been happening to the facility. And with the downtown area bustling to restore historic structures and bring new life to the area, developers have suggested building a new facility to relocate the current residents and turn Broadway Towers into luxury condos. No further information has been made public since November of 2022. However, I will say that I know it was met with a lot of speculation, as the direct downtown area isn't super popular with foot traffic because there's only a few bars, and restaurants within walking distance. Now, the other notable location sits just across the street from Broadway Towers, and it is the historic Capitol Theater. Now, according to their website, the site of the present Capitol Theater was originally the W.A. Dunlap Building, built in 1910, and housed the Bogle McCannon Furniture Company and the undertaking establishment. The building was later the location of the J.C. Penney Company until they lost their lease in 1934. Crescent Amusement Company began construction of the Capitol Theater that same year. Crescent owned a chain of theaters across the south part of the country. The Capitol was the largest venue of the three movie houses in downtown Maryville, seating just under 1,000 people. The other two theaters are the present-day Palace Theater, which is still there, and it's vacant and the Park Theater, which was the building directly across the street. For many years, that building was known as Roy's Records, and it's currently the Blue Tick Tavern, which was formerly Barley's. Typical of the Art Deco-style movie houses of that era, the Capitol Theater was the premier entertainment venue for locals. Parents would often drop off their children for an afternoon of westerns while they shopped, and the building's fly loft over the stage allowed for the silver screen to retract in order to accommodate live theater and musical performances. 
After it finally closed in the 1970s, the Capitol housed a variety of tenants, including a record shop, a disco, a wedding dress store, and a sports collectible shop. But in 2008, the Capitol underwent a complete renovation. The sloped flooring in the main auditorium was tiered to accommodate a dinner theater format. State-of-the-art audio, video, and lighting equipment were installed, and other improvements included a coffee shop and an ice cream parlor. Since its renovations, the Capitol has been a flourishing venue for corporate events, live theater, proms, and most notably, weddings. The Capitol Theater offers reception only and ceremony and reception options, and they've recently begun to offer elopement packages for those wishing to have a more private event. Folks that book the Capitol can add on an old Hollywood photo booth, or they can even add on the crystal glamour decor to their event. The old balcony of the theater has been renovated into the bridal suite, with large windows overlooking the theater. Below the stage is an old Prohibition-style lounge that a lot of folks just like to refer to as the Man Cave. Now, when I was in high school, I worked at this venue with my friend Michaela. Back then, weddings were our number one event that we always had, but there were all sorts of things. I recall one time I was working during the presidential election of 2012. The Republican Party of Maryville had rented out the facility to watch the election on the silver screen, and there was so much Chick-fil-A that they sent a full platter back just for the staff, which there was only three of us, so we were very, very happy. If you would like more information about the Capitol Theater, just head over to bookthecapital.com, or you can check them out in downtown Maryville. I'll leave the link in the description show notes. Maryville's rich history is celebrated and preserved through the various cultural and historical organizations. The Blount County Historical Museum showcases artifacts and exhibits that chronicle the area's past. While annual events such as the Smoky Mountain Scottish Festival and Games bring the community together to celebrate their heritage. Maryville, Tennessee has a fascinating history that spans centuries. From its early days as a frontier settlement to its present-day status as a vibrant city, Maryville has witnessed significant changes and has played a crucial role in the development of our country. The city's commitment to preserving its heritage while embracing modern progress ensures that its history will continue to shape our future. Well, guys, that's it. That's all I have for you today. That is my hometown known as Maryville. Maryville, whatever you want to call it, we'll take it. So folks, until next time, stay safe and stay educated. Well, hey guys, if you're still there and you're still listening, I've got a little bit of extra content for you. After I originally planned and recorded this episode, something happened in my hometown that I thought you might find interesting. Green Acres Flea Market is something that I didn't talk about in this episode. Technically, it borders Knox County, Blunt County, the city of Maryville, and the city of Alcoa. It's been a staple in the community for as long as I've been alive. Green Acres Flea Market is where hundreds, if not thousands of people have an additional source of income. And recently, that place was devastated by a fire that consumed the majority of the entire structure, as well as several out structures where individual vendors had their stuff. So I'm going to play a short clip from you from WBIR, and I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can go and watch the entire video if you'd like. Here you are. 
John, the questions on what exactly happened at the start of the file still remain unclear. The Blount County Sheriff's Office tells me first responders will meet tomorrow to go through the investigation. And deputies say it will take time before we know what caused the fire. They say no one was injured and no one was taken to the hospital. One fireman was treated at the scene for dehydration. And Randy Hayes was at the market when it all happened. He captured this video you are watching. Well, I first seen it. Coming down the, the highway there, I seen a lot of smoke and everything. And when we got here, it was just almost totally engulfed, it seemed like. You know, it's been a staple of this community for years, you know, to see it go up in flames. And now the market was home to more than 100 vendors. And, and many of those vendors were Latino business owners and run by families. And one vendor who sold jewelry tells me he had been there at the market for 11 years. He says the market was his second source of income and he and he will sell there on the weekends. And now the sheriff's office is handling investigation with the Ocoa and Maryville Fire Department. Now we will keep you updated as this all develops. John. Maria Guzman with the latest.